Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Alex, who was our shambles of the season? Any, <laughs> any journalists um, made a complete fool of themselves, would you say? <laughs> right. There's one journalist who would take this award for their performance in Newcastle over the weekend yeah. of the European Champions Cup final. Well, was it shocking, though? It was. Yeah, I understood that. It was. I mean, it, yeah, I was staggered he's still employed, frankly. Yeah. Um, probably won't be after this. No. Big night out in Newcastle, enjoying the hospitality of the host city and the tournament uh, organisers. Stumbled back to his hotel in the early hours of the morning, crashed out asleep hmm. in his bed, woke up naked, mistook his room door for his bathroom door and found himself locked out of his bedroom in the corridor stark bollock naked and in a pit of despair okay but because of the uh the amount of hospitality he'd enjoyed he had assumed that that his wife was in the room so hammering on the door at three o'clock must have been absolutely four o'clock in the morning i mean this is how shambolic is this hammering on the door Right. The next door neighbour... He was clearly disorientated because <coughs> he woke outrageous up. Outrageous behaviour. Yeah. <clears throat> the next door neighbour opens her door to discover this journalist... Yes. ...in a very compromising position in the yeah. corridor. Uh, laughs in his face, hurls him... Well, up, I would. Yeah. Looks him up and down. Initially, no, in we, from what we I gather, initially she was quite impressed, this lady. When no, 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 no. Go on. Go on. <laughs> looked him up and down, laughed threw him a bathrobe so he could go downstairs to get his room key. The identity of our award winner is... Hi, everybody. I hope you're ready for one last trip round the rugby world. It's the final ruck of the season. And to mark the occasion, we've actually had a planning meeting before it, which is the first of the season. (laughs) So that could make it either beautifully planned or a complete disaster. So try and stay on side with us. Uh, we will be back bigger and better, if that is possible, in the build-up to Rugby World Cup. Uh, we've got special plans for making our coverage staggeringly brilliant from Japan 2019. And that means in the Times and Sunday Times, in the newspapers, on digital, on podcast. We are a multimedia employer. And just for this week, a very special panel, because we've gathered together the full podium from the Rugby Writer of the Year Awards. All three of us, joint second on the podium, was the great Alex Lowe and myself, somehow in second place, but I took it like a man. Plus, so Alex and I are here, plus the king of the circuit himself, the Prince of Hacks, 
and the Queen of Richmond, <laughs> Owen Slot. Chaps, we had our last games of the season on the weekend, but on an absolutely blessed day at Twickenham, what a way it was to go out with a brilliant Premiership final. Alex, before we pay tribute to the, the men in red, should we not also say something about Exeter Chiefs? We definitely should. Um, they, their performance was staggeringly good for an hour, um, which should have been enough and probably would have been enough to beat any other team in Europe. When you look at, I remember a year ago, I interviewed Joe Simmons on uh, on the eve of the final, and then he he played like a rabbit in the headlights against that full the full might of Saracens, and Exeter just didn't have any answers to that power. Twelve months on, and they were in control of that game. They played uh, with physicality. They played with with real skill, but also great character and spirit. And they they were sensationally good for an hour. Score four tries against against Saracens. It was their best performance of the season, wasn't it? By a, by <coughs> a country mile, their best performance of the season. And then they they just hit Saracens when the champions pulled out those kind of that moment of brilliance when they they just decided we're not going to be beaten today and there was nothing more that Exeter could have done to win that game and that point was really hit home to me about an hour or so after the game down in the in the bowels of of Twickenham the Saracens players have had done their songs and and they're all changed uh, including Alex Good and uh, have the medals around their necks Henry Slade was still in his kit still in his boots and had this sort of haunted look on his face, and he, he came to talk to us. And fair play to him for doing that, because not not everyone would have would have wanted to in those circumstances. And still, an hour after the game, he was he was having to to pause as he spoke, and he said, "I've never cried after a match, but I'm really struggling to to hold it in because I've just never felt this feeling before." And it was that feeling of we've done absolutely everything we can to win this game, and it still isn't hasn't been quite enough. Um, and it was one of those days where Jack Knoll could easily and probably should have been man of the match, even though he was on the losing side. Oli Devoto, a sort of an unsung hero because Henry Slade gets a lot of plaudits. And I, I'd never seen Devoto play as well as that. I, th- I thought he really raised it up, up well, to a new level just for before, him. But just before we, uh, Alex goes on, it, when I saw Devoto and Slade playing with such beautiful fluidity, I think, why have we waited all this long for Ben Teo and Mano Tuolangi to be fit when you've got yeah. two brilliant players like Emma? I'd also add Alex Ozoski. Sorry, Alex. So I, was, I spoke to, um, to Ben Kay in the build-up to the final as he was pulling his column together for Saturday's paper. And he was saying that the more he analysed how Exeter play, the more he had come to realise how important Oli Devoto was to that team, mm. is, is to that team. Um, and I think your point about about the England inside centre role is, is quite valid that... There's been a an expectation from Eddie Jones that Ben Teo will just play for England no matter what he does at club level. Devoto has been on the fringes; he was capped a couple of years ago, but ne- has never really been taken that seriously. And it took him a bit of time to settle at Alexa in the same way it took Matt Kovacic a bit of time to settle. But um, but, but he's been sensationally good, uh, and certainly on Saturday, Devoto. And I'll just sorry, Jonesy, one more thing. I would just add that. Afterwards, their immediate thought from from Henry Slade, from Rob Baxter, was what more can we do? The arrival of Stuart Hogg next season, if you're looking at minute differences between between just losing to Saracens and beating them, someone of his world-class ability, maybe maybe that. OK, th- thanks, Alex. And Owen, um, the, the champs, the winners, 
four times in five in five years. Um, the double winners. Um, if you'd have been an extra player, would you have felt the same? How on earth were we ever going to beat that lot? Yeah, they 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 can do it from from any position now, can't they? They can get a lead, they can come back from behind, they can they can win it tight like they did against Leinster, or they could win it um, by playing more rugby like they did against Exeter. They can um, dominate different parts of the game. I mean, they're they're um, <coughs> uh, box kicking and and collecting and uh, of the box recycling the box kicks and and then playing from that open uh, that slightly open rugby um, has really sort of terrorised teams of late. I mean, they just they just seem to that they they can reinvent themselves. I mean, I, I don't want to sort of, um, make this a sort of Saracens comparison to England thing, but but <laughs> it's inevitably where I'm going. But but in, England in in the Six Nations. Had um, came out with a bloody good plan against uh, Ireland that worked really well, didn't it? With all that kicking behind, they, uh, uh, and then they did it, did it again, again against France, and they were absolutely, they were just, they were really clinical and spot on with it. But, but, but then it just seemed to be, it seemed that that was the only thing they could do. They tried against Wales, wasn't working, and 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 um, and they were made to look foolish. And Saracen just seemed to go, oh, who are we playing this week? Let's do something different. What do we need this week? Let's do something different. They're outstanding. The the, the, the fluidity and the, and the and the sort of tactical coherence of extra of, of Saracens is is way in advance of England, and they're far more sophisticated team when they're together. In my opinion, I, I what I also love. I mean, they are a magnificent team, and I've seen I've seen a few rugby teams over the years, going back donkey's years, to, even before there were leagues. And these guys, I think you always say that the, the best team you ever saw was the last team, but they are the best club team I've ever seen, and they're the best they're the best team outside the international. Mm. Um, uh, arena and they're the best team if they were in the international arena I'd just like to bring, bring out one guy actually. I mean Alex and Zoski have already said what a hard guy, he's absolutely rock solid, Jackson Ray uh, again we always say he's the guy who's not cap but he's brilliant for me uh, it, it was it was summed up in a way by Ralph Adams Hale who oh. came on and this, this, this guy, like he's their fifth or sixth choice because they didn't start with their starters he comes on, not only did he scrummage, scrummage well, he um, he storms around the field, he's um, um, burst through when uh, uh, Richard Wigglesworth um, made his heroic break smashes the opposition out of the way drives the ball on again also he and Christian Judge scrummage incredibly well you know there's something infectious about them well, that, 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 that front picks, row, picks up people we don't even know and makes them as good mm. as God that, that front row with, with uh, Christian Judge and Hale Radham's Alf yeah um, <laughs> They, they they won the uh, scrum penalty yes, against uh, an international yeah. uh, extra front row, which was fresh. Which, which was fresh. Yeah. They won the penalty, and and it was from that penalty uh, that two minutes later they scored a try. Alex, um, there's this great thing about with the England team leadership and and, mm. and 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 changing your game for the needs of the occasion, which actually they so rarely do. Um, with 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 Saracens, it seems to me that the same players who couldn't think their way out of trouble for England are just completely and utterly natural thinkers when they play for Saracens. Why is that? You're right, it's the same players. It's the same, the core of that that England team that had no answers um, against Scotland were on the field uh, against Exeter and Owen Farrell was captain on both occasions um, and 
it feels to me like it's an empowerment. They, they get empowered by the coaches at at Saracens. I think Alex Anderson was saying he'd done no coaching for the last four weeks. Wow. At Saracens because it had just reached that point where it's the players who are going to win this. Um, and Exeter score that superb try. Henry Slade in the corner. You think they? You think that that's game one? Even Mark McCall afterwards admitted he felt they were out on their feet at that point. They they'd done they'd had done to them what they do to everyone else, which is they were having mistakes forced upon them. They were trying to force the game. They were dropping balls in contact. They were throwing passes to the floor. Nothing was working. Extra score that try, and they cha- they changed their game in the sense that, and as Slotty's pointed out in the paper today, they changed the kickoff routine. They they um, they O'Farrell made the cross kick to the corner. They have decided on the field we've got to do something differently here. We we need to go and test Exeter in a way we have not tested mm. them so far. It's a good piece, wasn't it? Uh, well, I, I've learned a lot. I've just re- regurgitated all of it in this answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, There's no need to read it out like you're doing. But it, but it, but it was. It's true. It. Why, why could those players on the field on Saturday mm. work out a way of? Of changing their approach to to counter what was being done to them in a way they couldn't when England, when they were in England colours. The only thing I can feel is that they're empowered by those Saracens coaches in order to make those decisions on the field more than they are with England. Uh, um, Owen, if you agree with Alex, which I do, do, do does that <laughs> does that sense that do you get the sense that England, as many other teams now, are kind of overcoached and they, they can't react, they can't make these reactions. Yeah, to a large extent. I mean, the, the difference is Saracens are a club team, so they spend more time together with their coaches. So, uh, isn't the danger of being overcoached even greater then if you're there all the time? I, I think that when you, I think that with England um, or a, a international rugby, because maybe the coaches get less time, they feel uh, the um, uh, they feel they need to. Um, uh, Put their their ideas over and, and enforce their ideas um, uh, more quickly uh, than than, than a, a club coach. So they, they they need to get that that control. Um, uh, um, they don't have time to to work and build something. But I think that is a theme. But I just also wonder about Eddie Jones talks a lot about empowering the players, and by the time we get to the World Cup, they should be able to coach themselves, which is sort of what Alex was saying that happens at Saracens. Um, and he he says that, but I I, I th- and I think he probably does believe it. But but he's such a strong personality, and he so likes to run the show, and he so feels that he knows what's right that that I I think that no matter how much he tries, one he struggles to do that, and two I think no matter how strong the personalities of the players are, someone like Owen Farrell, I still think they go onto the pitch thinking. We've, we've got to do what Eddie told us to do. I totally agree with that, and uh, and I think the message there would be, uh, if Eddie was watching, which he was, is to stand back, is to stand back a bit. I think it's also um, in, it was interesting after the game that Mark McCall made the point of saying that his his England players had learned from that Scotland experience of what not to do, um, and yeah, he yeah. obviously mm. trusted them to put that lesson into practice. I, I agree, and uh, I, I also think that you know it's funny because uh, the Saracens get block coverage all Saturday and all Sunday, and um, people come on to us on online and our friends and say, "Blimey, you guys don't have to love Saracens. You know, you're all over Saracens. You're their number one fans." Well, actually, all that time we spend trying to analyse why teams are bad, when you get a good one, I think it's absolutely justified to celebrate it because when you see great rugby and when you see a full stadium and when you see Twickenham way more animated than it's been for years at an international level well if you didn't praise that you would totally not be doing your job Alex final word 
I, I just think on it's on the, be good if it's the final word. on those who who do criticise the coverage that Saracens get. Jones, you're absolutely right that that the coverage they're getting is for their the quality of coaching and the quality that they deliver on the field. Um, it is a shame that there's an investigation ongoing and and that has to be recognised that there's an investigation that could find that they've broken the rules, in which case it would be a desperate stain cast upon this season. It wouldn't undermine anything, I don't think, that those players have achieved and those coaches have achieved because it's not, it wouldn't be their crime that's been committed. But um, that's why people get so upset because they just they feel that Saracens have bought success and they're on us in the media all the time to ask more questions. We are asking questions, um, but there is an investigation ongoing, which is which we have to now wait to pan out. Um, but the two things are obviously connected. But that the fact that that we are so praiseworthy of what they do on the field is absolutely justified because they are sensationally good. I think uh, some people are concerned about salary cap. I think others are using the salary cap measure as a, a way to express their jealousy. Munster, for one. Owen, oh, let's have the last word. Sorry, the we've had the penultimate last word. Let's have the real, let's have the real last word on, on a great day. Were you, e- even in the last game of the season, were you as excited as I was by, by the rugby there? Yeah, I, w- uh, I was... I, I I admit, and I said to said to to Mrs. Slot, I, f- I felt quite jaded towards the end of this season. I was, she's noticed that, yeah. yeah she's complaining, <laughs> you jaded old bastard. She says, um, uh, and I was looking forward to to the end. And um, the day itself, though, was just as you said. It was it, the, the the rugby was great. The occasion was great. That the 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 atmosphere was di- so different to an England international there um mm. it was it was a bit like club football though rugby will not be like club football but it it it, it was there was noise of um just just circulating the, the stadium from one set of supporters to another uh, and you know and it and it had that great sort of knife edge of 60 minutes 70 75 minutes we didn't still didn't know who's going to win it was only really after that final Jamie George try 76th minute only at that point did you, did we know who was going to win so we, we are going to move on from um, Owen and uh, Juliet's marital problems now <laughs> and um, just just there were a couple of other things I'm not going to mention anything else in North London um, <laughs> but um, there, w- there was uh, the Barbarians Day yesterday at Twickenham and um, uh, by all accounts it was an excellent day I just got one one observation that was that the, the, the absolute um, love and affection that the the, the, the uh, women barbarians showed for for the jersey and in their build-up and what was really lovely is that we, you were able to go and watch some train and for for hacks of a certain vintage it was always used to be the great uh, the thing that passed the time on tours you go for two or three hours watch the touring team train and make contacts and locals would come down and lean on the fence and watch as well it was just a great social thing um, and people, the ice cream vendor would come along. It was all lovely. But now, because of the sheer paranoia of international men's coaches who imagine all sorts of things, like <coughs> their rooms are bugged when they're not, and they put screens up and all that, it was really nice to see um, um, the, the girls, the barbarians, training. Also, uh, the final weekend of the World Seven Circuit saw Fiji take the title, but with real minimal impact or interest, it seemed, from uh, Britain, uh, from uh, England, 
Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, no moves whatsoever to get together to Team GB for the Olympic Games. Anyway, that was this season. We're just going to um, briefly wind up now with a few uh, memories of the season this, the, uh, uh, that uh, seem to have been lasted for about three years. First of all, I'm going to ask the lads for some memories, good and bad. Owen, first of all, of all the stories you filed, what was your best story th- that you filed this season? And we'll come on afterwards to the story you missed. <laughs> well, the, the, okay. Sorry, just one story you missed. We haven't got time for all the others. I didn't file a story that I want to tell. All right, go on then. With, with the, so, so, so my favourite story of the season is an Eddie Jones story. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and it's re- regarding the, the fact that he's something of a, of a technophobe. Uh, and like many of us, when he can't find his phone, he starts to panic a bit. So he's um, on uh, England's duty at the time. And he can't find his phone, and he starts to get tetchy, and he rings his uh, he rings his PA at Twickenham and says, "Where's my phone? Can you call it?" And she calls it, nothing happens, and uh, and then he then he then he starts getting even more grouchy and says, "Listen, um, he, can you can you please find either find my phone or get me a new one double quick? I I, I can't do I can't do this life without a phone." And um, anyway, said PA uh, goes on to uh, the Find a Phone app that uh, I think we probably all have to trace our kids from time to time. Um, uh, she goes on to on find finding your phone, and she traces Eddie's phone, and she gets a trace of it, and it's actually in Penny Hill Park. And then she she she, <laughs> she zooms in closer, and she finds that Eddie's phone is moving around Penny Hill Park where England are training. And then she manages to trace Eddie's phone to his own pocket, <laughs> where it had been sitting there on silent, and he didn't have a clue. <laughs> That, that that was a decent one. I noticed you conspicuously left yourself out of that, Owen. So what was the one that you missed? Well, the, the, st- the story that I, that I really missed was um, uh, I happened to be covering Northampton Saints against Exeter on the 28th of December. And um, uh, just before, when the team sheets went out um, uh, before the game, we noticed that Dylan Hartley, who had been named to play, had been uh, removed from the team sheet. We said, why has he been, re- why has he been removed? And we were told, well, Dylan's got a grumbly knee. Um, <clears throat> grumbly knee doesn't sound too bad, does it? So, so um, the fact that Dylan had a grumbly knee made half a sentence at the end of my match report. And um, so the story that I missed was that Dylan was going to be out of rugby for six months and may never play for England again. You can't trust the times, can you? <laughs> Absolutely hopeless. Alex, <laughs> apologies what was, to everyone. What was your favourite story? Um, the, well, the story that I, I got, I suppose... Um, would have been a series of pieces on uh, on the RFU's finances and and the pile of state they're in. Uh, the, uh, a couple of pieces on and with Francis Barron, who wrote this, who's written this financial report into the state of it, and um, uh, I guess that that made made a pretty big impact over uh, over last season. The story I wish I'd written was actually it appeared in a rival paper, but it was a revelation that Eddie Jones had tried to lure Andy Farrell back. To be oh, England's yeah. defence coach, which the ramifications of that are, are huge in the sense that he sacked Andy Farrell only a couple of years earlier. Andy Farrell is now going to be the next Ireland head coach, and and then Eddie went to try and, and lure him back, which it's a story that didn't perhaps make the waves that it probably should have done. And it's, I'd say that's a story I wish I'd written. Okay, 
So is that was that the one you missed? I said, that, yeah, that's the one okay. I missed. I wish you'd written that as well. Okay. Yeah. The more you okay. think about it, it's an extraordinary <laughs> story, that isn't it? it well, that's what I mean. Okay, everybody, um, everybody misses them now. But and the RFU finances thing, which is has been an ongoing issue now for 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 a year, and I think we've we've all around this table done it pretty well. But that is a huge issue and a growing issue because for so long they they thought they were riding the crest of a financial wave and the money would just keep rolling in and they've got Twickenham, they just sweat the asset as they say, sell out Twickenham, sell the boxes, build a new corporate suite which just still hasn't been sold out mm. um, and actually the reality is that every year now they're trying to save £10 million, making more people redundant, cutting all the uh, really important grassroots work, um, player development work, all the important stuff that goes on behind the scenes is getting shredded because of some awful decisions that got made uh, a couple of years ago. That was, uh, I, I totally agree, and uh, we've got to remember, which I think we always do, that we are listened to by masses of people in the community game, yeah. and we're both in it, and, and you know what they've had to go through uh, with, with so little uh, support, financial or otherwise, is, is just amazing. Um, I Jones, just, did you miss a story this year? Uh, not that I know of, no. That's a silly question. No, I, did, I don't think so. You can't contribute the, to that the, element w- of the podcast. Well, I can well. actually, but, but what, one I d- w- there was one I did miss, and that was after the semi, uh, after the final of the, um, the the European Cup between Leinster and Saracens, in our player ratings, we had uh, the Saracens fullback down as Andy Good. <laughs> now, it was only in one edition, and how on earth did I not notice? that the great uh, Lummox uh, used to play fly half was in the European Cup final <laughs> with a slightly bandy looking as he always did. And I never... Uh, I thought the guy who played 15 was brilliant, but <laughs> no idea it was him. Anyway, that was a shock. I then found out that it was just a, a, a big error on the desk. But, you know, a lot of people, when they saw his name there, must have had a heart attack. Think, what the hell was he doing out there? I think the story I liked doing the least... Um, from the uh, personal and, and emotional point of view, was on Mark Jennings, the former sale player, oh, yeah. uh, who who has had horrendous trouble ever since his his, his birth when he was um, he was basically brought up in an emergency shelter in South Africa. Uh, up until the time when he'd always wanted to find out who his da- who his father was, and just before we met, he'd basically freaked when he found out that the guy he always wanted to find had actually been the man who raped his mother, and. That was the only interview I've ever done where I would want it to, be, <coughs> to come to an end because I didn't know where it was going to go. <coughs> but luckily there is a, a really lovely tailpiece to it. That was last week he was um, uh, chosen or he was appointed as uh, player coach of Wilmslow. And I can tell you that uh, to have got that job, uh, he must have improved magnificently and, mar- and markedly uh, with the help of uh, medical people and also the RPA Oh, good luck to uh, him, just so glad that he's come out and doing that because he was in a very dark place and uh, others have been in similar places not quite as dark as that I'm not saying it was um, any credit to me but it was a heck of a story boys uh, we've we've met some lovely people who are our favourite people Alex who, what lovely people have you met this year in, um, in rugby you would have met a lot outside yeah, I, I think I, the guy I had the, probably the most fun talking to was Joe Cock and Singer's dad um, who uh, has just told some lovely stories of of their time playing together uh, over in um, Brunei, um, where so Joe's dad was in the army, and Joe was 
um, I think f- 15 at the time, but a giant. So his dad went and, and lied to his army bosses about Joe's age so he could get Joe into the into play for his army regiment team. And there he is this teenage kid just smashing through um, all these all these adult men's players, and just the the sort of the pride um, and the joy that that, that exuded from uh, from him as I suppose him about about playing alongside his his lad and that weekend Joe went out and played for England at Twickenham and the whole family were there and Joe's younger brother is is in England's age grade setup but I just re- it was just lovely and actually I, I was reminded of it when I saw footage of Jordan Henderson and his dad after the game in in Madrid and just the the bond that they had on the pitch side and it just took me back to that conversation um with uh with with Joe's dad and yeah so I I got a lot of a lot of joy hearing those stories um yeah so big big Joe's dad was my okay. favorite person of the year Owen I uh, okay I've got I've got Two uh, contenders for this category. One, one is um, uh, a player we know quite well, Mako Vunapola. But I, I had um, a, a very long and enjoyable coffee for an interview with him, and um, we got we got on to talking about why he's got the most mobile pair of eyebrows in world rugby. Mm. Um, they, I mean, they are absolutely extraordinary. Mm. And um, well, Dennis Healy, like, do you remember Dennis Healy? Well, well they, they're they're not 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 as big as Dennis Healy's. I remember yeah, those not bushy. It, no, they're not. It's not the bushy. It's the fact they just go up and down when he's talking without him even when he's not even trying to stress anything. They just right. sort of they have a life of their own. Yeah. And um and, and so we, we we the conversation ended up with can you sell a dummy by moving one of your eyebrows? Yeah. And he said he was going to work on it. Okay. Okay. So I love Mako. I'd like those te- those technical points you're bringing up. That was yeah. yeah. And you've left it open for a follow up piece. Yeah. 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 Summer have, about have, have you learned to sell a dummy with your eyebrows? Yeah. Uh, and my my <laughs> other new favourite player is um is Gloucester. Uh, um, winger uh, Ollie Thorley, who is um, a, a bit of a one-off, a, a idiosyncratic young man, mm-hmm. and um, so we, we were talking about. It. He scored the try of the season, and um, so I was trying to talk to him about the try of the season, and we got onto subjects such as Pret a Manger in the Strand, where he lost his front tooth biting on a baguette. Uh, mm-hmm. His favourite Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. which was which was in the bleak winter. Uh, and um, why the Gustav Holst version of In the Bleak Midwinter is better than the other one. Okay. Well, I th- always thought it was. Well, I thought the other one was. I'm trying to remember who, who it's by. I think it's by Harold Dark, but okay. I, might, I might just be name-dropping and completely got that wrong. Okay. This is still the Ruck Rugby podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, m- mine would be, I'm just going to go for someone like, I, I went to interview uh, Rochelle Clark last week. Um, she, she, I expected her to be brought in on the throne um, or pushed uh, uh, carried in a sedan chair by um, 15 naked servants but um, when she sat down I said how are you and um, she said oh I'm much better now I said what do you mean you're much better you've 104,000 caps and you're the greatest um, front row player the game's ever seen the most caps she said oh the last couple of years I've lost a little bit of confidence in my game so well, <laughs> well, if you've lost confidence in your game, we've all had it. What an absolutely lovely rugby player and a lovely woman Rochelle Clark is. And next week, uh, she sneaks back to Twickenham because she's coach of the Buckinghamshire Women's County Team in the Women's County Championship Final. So she's going back. I think that probably the theme in all of these answers is that we see a lot of professional sportsmen, a lot of rugby players who are guarded in what they say particularly when they're talking about rugby and that actually our favourite memories are when 
are when that guard drops, or our most yeah. memorable conversations are when the guard drops, or when the conversation can actually bring some of the personality out of them. And right. I mentioned Henry Slade on on Saturday night. I'm not saying that it was an enjoyable experience talking to him when he was in such a desolate mm. state, but the guard had gone, and you just you understood his his emotions and his passion at, at that time. I remember sitting down, a few of us were there with John Mitchell um, in an England camp during the Six Nations. And we spoke to him a couple of hours after his son had made his debut for the New Zealand one-day cricket team mm. um, and had, had played a winning role in, in that day. And again, similar to, um, to my story about just talking to, to Joe Cook and seeing his dad, but there was no party line, there was no, no guarded answer. He was, you know, the, the pride that he showed that, you know, he had, he had, his eyes were, were glistening. He, you know, he was, there was, it was just, he, he was being genuine as he talked about watching his son play cricket for for his country that's really important because actually that's what our listeners our readers they want they're interested in in they love rugby but they love rugby people and to get beyond the the, the guard and the media training is really important to, to selling the sport oh are we, are we not um are we not talking is alex not talking here about the huge degree of media management and the fact that this is keeping so much color so much vivacity and so many lovely people away from us and therefore away from our readers and listeners yeah i think so i i actually would say i don't really understand quite how we've got to this because i think there is some media management especially when you get onto the into an international team like england there's a lot of there is a lot of um, media management then and we know that when players come to talk to the journalists when they're representing England that they do get a, a um, brief beforehand sometimes they get a sheet of of, of um, points that they're supposed to get over or how to handle uh, um, tricky certain whatever the, the question might be but 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 on the whole, I, d- I don't think they get managed that badly. Uh, that that they don't get, get, get given so much what you can and can't say. I just I just think it it, it gets sold down from the senior players to the junior players. Watch out what you say, and and I think in a way that kind of denies the junior players, the younger players, the opportunity to be themselves and be a personality. I mean, Ollie Thorley clearly no one had told him to to shut his gob and stop being interesting, but. Um, I, I don't quite work out why we've got there. I don't think there's a. I don't think there is um, a. Um, I don't think there's a climate in in rugby journalism to stitch people up at all. But um, it, but clearly, from time to time, players have felt they've been badly treated, and that's where it's come from. But it's it's gone way too far, and it's um it's it ain't good for the game. It's, it's a shame not, for the game. If you're listening and you're a media manager, my advice would be. You've got you've got nine nails in the coffin at the moment. Remove eight of them and leave one, and then see let's see where we go. We'll get a lot further. Next one, favourite venues where we've been, chaps, covering rugby this year. Alex, um, I'm going to say Lyon. I went to Lyon uh, against Saracens in the in the Champions Cup. Um, it's not a, a stadium that that generates the same sort of uh, fervour as as Clermont or, or Toulon, but what a lovely city it is, and to to spend spend a weekend uh in Lyon um exploring the city and then going to the rugby was was pretty much a perfect uh, away trip and um you, you just had a night out didn't you that's what you're saying you had a really nice good night yeah, out. yeah had a good night out in that's Lyon, yeah. that, that that's all all very well <laughs> we, we've got to beat Monte Carlo though because our producer has just come back from Monte Carlo so we've got to beat that we can't let him win Slotty come up with something decent Okay, well, um, far more glamorous than Monte Carlo yeah. is uh, Ashton Gate in Bristol. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Of course it is. It's hands down. No, th- th- that's um, that is my contender for uh, venue of the season. It just 
the from day one of the season went there for um, Bristol Bath and uh, there were twenty six thousand people there and it was just like whoa w- welcome to the Premiership and how great to have you here. I I felt that about Newcastle for the for the final of the European Cup because the city was wonderful so welcoming the fans were excellent it's great great weekend and it so all off to Marseille next year uh, all you. Uh, ruck listeners out there. And the next item is uh, by request of my two colleagues. It's my top five rants this season. Um, uh, I'll, I'll let you know if I think they're justified, but who's going to start off with number five? Okay, oh, um, Jonesy's top five rants of the season. Coming in at number five, Danny Cipriani should be playing for England. Okay, well, that, 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 I do rant on about that, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm lonely in that, am I? I mean, other people think that as well, don't they? All right, well, uh, Dave Atwood should be playing for England. <laughs> oh, well, that's going to be lonely there. Don Armand, no. <laughs> Simon Shaw. Oh, has anyone seen Don J- Armand James this week? Haskell. Simon Shaw's a bit old now, he's 72. You're still banging on about Simon Shaw should be playing for England. Well, he's, he's one of the two greatest locks I've ever seen play the game. And if, if you weren't in t- anyone who was there in the 2019 second test in Pretoria, could not argue. I, I was at that, that game. Well done. He, did, well he done. was quite good. Okay, number four, coming Alex. In, coming in at number four, the death of Welsh regional rugby and how Newport should be Newport and not the Newport Gwent Dragons. Okay. Did you, anyone notice the number of Welsh regional teams who reached the last four <laughs> in the rather weak Guinness Pro 14 this year? I rest my case. <laughs> and in Wales, whoever goes around saying, "Come on, I'm a reg- I'm a regional Gwent man. I'm a Gwent man." No one says that. Okay, number three, get on with it. Coming at number three, the sad demise of Tottenham Hotspur and, and why they don't win a trophy. The or sad or demise. Sorry, sorry, sorry. When you say sad demise, this year we've seen off Real Madrid, Barcelona. <laughs> we were just luckily beaten by those awful people in the northwest. And no, oh, sorry, you mean the you mean the why don't they spend any money? This season, because of Daniel Levy went two. Oh, I think we've had enough of this. They we? went hang on. number two. They went two. Listen, they went two win, transfer we, we windows speak. without buying a single player. You're only allowed thirty seconds on each run. All right, you know what I'm going to say. Right, <laughs> what, what second? Number two is Andy Goode lecturing journalists on how to be a journalist. Well, he should do it more, because we, we all know he's the, he's the Pope, the Bishop, and the head of the journalistic department. So whenever Andy, as he does regularly, gives his opinions on real journalism, that's what we want to hear. So I will be keeping on about that <laughs> and uh, finding out where, what his journalistic background was. <laughs> all right, what's number one? Get on with it. And, and number one is is the sad fact that Stuart Lancaster does not get sufficient praise for Leinster's success. Yeah, very funny, very funny. All I said was two years ago, Leinster won magnificently in uh, Bilbao, and the only person anyone asked about this was not what you... you, you I accuse you two. What, it wasn't what you normally do, say head coach. You all want to, to the assistant coach, Stuart Lancaster. Poor old Leo, Leo Cullen, who'd been there since Doomsday and brought him forward, didn't get a bloody mention. You, you don't feel strongly enough about this. No, one, I don't. No, no, well, those, those good rants. Very good. Well done. Okay. Well done. Very good. We look forward to five more next season. <laughs> Actually, probably by the end of the week. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. England. We, we, we all have a rant about England. And in fact, he didn't sign anyone in those two windows. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just wrap up now. England, to win the World Cup and to be or to be very competitive. Alex, just in brief, lads, what have they got to do? Let's name some some action they've got to take. They need to make sure that Makovunapola and Jack Noel are both fit for the World Cup. Good one. Well, Sorry. they can do that, Jack Noel, can't they? No. Okay. Well, I think they got 27 decent wings, but um, you're probably right. Uh, he's not just a wing. He's an open side flanker. And an outside centre, and a wing, and a fullback. Okay, all right. No, you're right. I'm wrong. Um, they need to check that Elliot Daly can catch the ball because he still hasn't proven that. It's just no, that he wasn't tested enough on the, under the high ball in the Six Nations. Fair, fair. For me, it's Marowitoji. Eddie always says, oh, no, mate, he's a lock, he's a lock. Well, I'm not quite sure what that means because Saracens have played him in the last few games as a blindside flanker. That has enabled them to bump up their pack hugely with Will Skelton and George Cruz. England have got nothing like that power. If they put Marrow 6, it puts an end to debates of bringing back long-gone blindside flankers. Marrow is a superb um, uh, number 6. It then gives you the opportunity to put another big man in the second row, and who knows, England's driving mall may then make more than three inches. Any more, Alex? Eddie needs to work out his bench... So he knows he's 15. He needs to know who's his backup scrum half. Backup scrum half to who? Ben Youngs. Slotty, should Ben Youngs be the starting scrum half? Oh, probably not, actually. Um, that's a long debate. OK. I, mean, Sorry. I, think, I think we should rewind four years and start the whole scrum half development programme from the start. But um, OK, go on then. What's your next one? Ne- next one, England need to uh, know how not to crap themselves when they've got a decent lead. Because okay. that's what they do. They get a decent lead and they lose it. OK. Well, for me, they've got to free up the midfield and I don't think you can do that by having a half-fit Bintio and a half-fit Manu Tulagi. I think they've got to free it up and I think we saw enough footballers on Saturday to last them a lifetime. How far will they get? Are they are they are they going to really make an impact? I think they could get knocked out in the group stages. Unlikely, and I think they could win it. Alex? Which is more likely of the two? Oh, of the two, <laughs> probably winning is more likely <laughs> yeah. of the two. But 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 my actual prediction would be that they'll go to a semi final and get beaten by the All Blacks. I, semi-final, I think I might settle that for that now if I was English. Finally, before we go, uh, deep, before we disappear for the summer. Our gods of the season. Owen, god of the season, please. Okay, for for me, the season has been about delivering a performance on the day, which is what England have done on occasions, but not regularly, which is what Saracens have done uh, throughout. But um, on on that theme, the god of the season has to be Warren Gatland for what he did with Wales, because every time they played in the Six Nations, he worked out a way of bringing the best out of them. I don't think they are the best one to 15 players by any means, but what he did, what he does and what he did then was phenomenal and that's what England need too. So Warren is my god of the season. One vote for Warren Gatlin. Alex Lowe. So when I was considering this, I went to my performances of the season 
which were Mako Vunapola against Ireland and Jack Noel against Saracens. Mm. But for that game against Ireland, his all-round contribution, and it was a crying shame that he didn't finish the season uh, in in the final at Twickenham. <clears throat> for that game against Ireland, for setting the standards that very, very few players reach. I mean, you talked about Simon Shaw mm. in 09. I'm going to give it to Mako for, for what for a prop forward delivering that kind of a display. Okay, that's two good ones. Well, well, mine is slightly different because I do think that to win a race, you have to be leading at the tape. So it doesn't matter how late you come, you have to be leading. So that's why my god of the season is Ralph Adams Hale. Oh, lovely. He is because he came on with his fiery red hair. He was he picked up the pace in, instantly. He charged all over the field. He played a part in the last bit and he got his winner's medal and and God bless him. I just thought he was the absolute ginger nut. He was brilliant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for listening uh, throughout this season to The Ruck. Thank you for reacting. Thanks for all our loyal people who retreated us. It was really richly appreciated. Thanks to our producer. Thank you, Alex. Uh, thanks for everyone for downloading The Ruck. We'll be back soon. Please stay with us. And may fortune's laurel leaves be ever strewn in your path.